Welcome to this week's episode of the People Podcast. Are you in human resources, recruiting professionally, or an entrepreneur growing a team? This is the podcast for you. We are going to bring you all of the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to take your workforce to the next level. Implementing the tips and know-how will enable you to create and keep a world-class workforce. Here is your host, Jesse Tinsley. Awesome. So I'm really excited today. I got Mike Slaw, founder and CEO of Shift.org. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jesse, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. So just to start off so the audience kind of knows more about yourself and Shift, can you just give us a brief intro to yourself and and then maybe explain a little bit about Shift and what you guys do? Sure. Well, let's start on Shift. We're a career change company for military vets. We facilitate programs for folks who are in their last few months of military service. We actually facilitate a program that allows them to leave base, travel to a big city or a major metropolitan job market, and start working at one of our partner companies. They're full-time, on-site, typically for their last three months of active duty service. And so we think it's a pretty innovative way for folks to figure out where they fit in a new part of the workforce and to change careers after military service. and, and really get credit for a lot of the experiences that they have in the past that don't always show up on a resume. And so uh, we've been doing this for just over um, the program itself for just over a year and a half. And I started the company just over two years ago. Prior to shift, I was a bomb disposal officer, a Navy explosive ordnance disposal officer for five years. And so it's kind of like a technical expert, helped uh, small teams in the US military and then helped different foreign militaries learn about explosive devices and keep themselves safe around them. So certainly made a little bit of a career shift myself in starting this company. That's great. And, and by the way, thank you for your service. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. And, and how did you come up with the idea for Shift? Like what inspired you? Were you always entrepreneurial or like how did you come up with the idea and what like inspired you to do it? I would definitely say I was, I've always been pretty entrepreneurial, but you know, like everybody else, when I was leaving the military, so there's like 250,000 people who transition from military life to the civilian workforce every single year. And so sometimes that like just the sheer magnitude of the people who enter and leave the military every single year kind of befuddles people when I tell them about it. But you know when you're sitting in a one of these, you know either it's a job expo or a career fair and you're on base and you're in some big aircraft hangar, you know, in some remote part of the country, and people are on the other table, other side of the table telling you what it's like to work at their company and, and letting you know what culture is like and what it feels like to work there. You know, <laughs> you're kind of skeptical. You're like, I don't know if I'm getting the full story here. And changing careers after the military just feels so high stakes. It feels like you've got to get this thing right because you know, whether you've been in the service for four years or 20 years, you know, you feel a little bit behind your peers and your contemporaries and you feel this urgency to make the next thing work. And I always felt like looking at other civilian professions, you know, almost like this like speeding train. And, you know, you, you knew that like what was happening on the inside might be interesting, but, you know, you just, you couldn't really access it or picture it from the outside world. I guess imagine if you've been like driving around in an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean for five years, like you can't even picture what your life would look like 
going into a corporate environment, much less one of these, you know, a really fast growing, exciting startup or technology company or media company or sports team. Uh, it's, it's just really hard to imagine yourself in that environment. And so that was the inspiration for Shift is just that getting inside of a company allows you to do a whole lot of skill translation on the job. And so I guess <laughs> not to go too deep down the rabbit hole here on the first question, but you know, a, a lot of people think that skill translation can happen through an algorithm. And somehow an algorithm can tell us, you know, everything about, you know, our impossibly complex selves and tell us where to land in the workforce, you know, based on this basket of skills that the algorithm thinks that we've acquired. But a lot of this skill translation happens in this like very organizationally specific context. So you're saying things to yourself like, oh, I was an infantry officer in the army. And that meant I was signing all of these diplomatic partnership agreements with high-ranking foreign dignitaries and foreign militaries to make sure that my people had access to food in a foreign country, so on and so forth. And oh, hey, that, that kind of feels like the same thing as you know, these strategic partnership agreements that we're negotiating you know, on the job here at Uber Freight. So maybe you know, biz dev you know, actually feels like a good fit for me based on my skill set and the things that I like doing. And so I guess I just had a whole bunch of faith in the idea of you could just have a radically different outcome when you're changing careers. If you just did a little bit of on-the-job training or if you just had some sort of mechanism to acquire industry-specific context rapidly. That's great. And I'd love to dive into that further. But that, that, I find that first, uh, the number you, you dropped, 250,000 veterans are moving from the military annually to civilian life. Is that, is that correct? That's right. That's way more than I would have guessed <laughs> based off of just like anecdotal knowledge. Yeah, and it doesn't really account for you know, all the 100,000 people who are graduating from GI Bill programs every single year as well. And so this, that, that number is inclusive of reservists who are hanging it up and, and veterans who are transitioning from military service. Then there's this other big chunk, this other huge talent pipeline of folks who are using their GI Bill to get their college degree. And they're entering the workforce really for the first time as well. Maybe they did a few internships while they were at college, but this is really their first foray into a new part of the workforce. Yeah, Mike, and I'm curious, what, what data, do you guys have any data, like hard data on how like veterans perform in certain jobs and tasks versus like uh, just a normal civilian? I'm, I'm curious just if you guys have any data, like based on performance and outcomes of hiring different folks. I'm sure you guys have. It's actually it's, it's something where we have, uh, we're working on a little bit of original research ourselves behind the scenes right now because you know, a lot of the studies where you go out there and you'll search, you know, the business case for hiring veterans. And a lot of the conversation is on, uh, it's around soft skills. It's about leadership. It's about communication. It's about being able to work with people from other backgrounds and all types of life, which, you know, are all things that we inherently, you know, recognize as being good, but it's hard to quantify those things. And so, uh, there isn't a ton of research on there uh, out there around, you know, how veterans perform versus their civilian counterparts. I think one of the studies, um, you know, there, there's there's studies around uh, veterans being able to be more flexible uh, in stressful and ever changing environments, and so we can 
Maybe we can throw the links to some of those uh, in, in some of the comments or the tweets after the podcast. Great. Sounds good. And what are your thoughts on like diversity hiring as a whole? I feel like a lot of times when you think of diversity, like when HR and recruiting leaders think of diversity, that usually like military or veteran preference is like kind of a secondary point. So what, what are your thoughts on diversity hiring and like the future of that and how it includes veterans more so than the general, general like thought process of hiring? Yeah, I think that you know, what we see is that vets are looked at maybe a little bit differently in different parts of the country. And so uh, they, they're certainly part of the diversity and inclusion conversation that many companies out here in Silicon Valley, you know, there's, you know, every company sort of has this internal list of priorities around, you know, where they're trying to move the needle from a diversity and inclusion and hiring perspective. I think that, you know, you see some parts of the country that just maybe they have more exposure to military backgrounds and there's an increased amount of openness. When I think about diversity in military vets, I think they absolutely should be included in the DNI conversation for, from a few different perspectives. One, um, of, of course, like the military in and of itself is one of the most diverse workforces on the planet. You, know, you have people from literally every city and state who join from every walk of life, every part of the socioeconomic spectrum. And they all have to figure out a way to work together. Like it's one of the greatest cultural melting pot experiments of, of all time. But it's also you know, just this incredible like diversity of thought, diversity of perspective, diversity of experiences that you know, when you have an organization of you know, several hundred or seven, several thousand people, and there's only a couple veterans there, it represents... Uh, a huge opportunity to bring a new perspective to leadership, to team building, to really complex, thorny project management and problem solving. You know, I think about some of the folks that I worked with in the Navy bomb squad, and I, I, it probably comes as no surprise as I consider them to be some of the best problem solvers on the planet. That's great. And yeah, no, I can definitely imagine if you're on the bomb squad unit amongst other professions in the military, you definitely have to have some good critical thinking skills. So in terms of shift, like you guys have some notable partners and what's that, that kind of looks like, let's say a few co- different new companies want to partner with shift and, and hire more veterans or work as part of the fellow program or be part of that. What does that look like? And what does that entail? Sure. So the, the program we facilitate, we, we call it the military fellows program. And what we've done is we've expanded access to a DOD, Department of Defense Initiative, that allows active duty service members to start working in corporate environments during their last few months of military service. And so historically, for service members who want to land in major metropolitan job markets and they want to live in New York City or San Francisco or, or, or some of these really large metros that are growing fast, historically, you had to be stationed at a military base that had local employers within a 50-mile radius. So one of the things that the shift is where, where we've been a little bit innovative is we've created the ability for service members to leave base, travel to a big city on temporary duty orders, and start working in a corporate environment. This allows the service member to really ramp up into something new and the whole time, the DOD is paying their full salary and benefits for the first three months that they're on site in this fellowship program. We don't have to dive into it now, but we do a ton of prep with service members. I mean, they, the, the average date that they sign up for a shift program, they still have 
more than 12 months left in military service. So we do a ton of talent development and career coaching prep on our side. But what, what, what our partners care about you know, is really different depending on what their goals are as an organization. So some of them, some companies are trying to stay compliant with OFCCP regulations and they want to you know, hit a benchmark of you know, 6 to 7% of their workforce having veteran status. So they're hiring vets because they have to. We have some partners who believe that vets are, are truly part of the diversity inclusion conversation. They want to bring new perspectives and diversity of thought. And then other partners just want to hire the best person for the job. And they're looking for great talent. I think that you know, in the talent market that we're in right now, one of the couple of the big trends that we're riding is that it's just you know, it's harder than ever to close a job rec. So what we're seeing, you know, it's increasingly common for senior leaders at a company to look into these untapped pools of talent they historically hadn't considered, like military vets. Then you also see this move to, you know, I guess, I guess recognizing and understanding that, you know, operationally, you may have to like modify your process just a little bit to include people from non-traditional backgrounds or to break into these untapped sources of talent. So I think we're seeing this really exciting rise of new ways to get talent inside of companies and get them ramped to, to productivity and get them up to speed, like internships, apprenticeships, returnships, on-the-job training, fellowships, temp to perm, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> a lot of goodness happening right now um, from that perspective. But when a partner signs up with Shift, we will typically try to understand you know, what looks like success on their end from a military hiring perspective over the course of the next year or so. You know, the key value prop to partners is we are doing all of the sourcing, screening, and aligning of military backgrounds to currently open jobs on their job board. So from a sourcing perspective, we have direct access or partnerships to just over 100 military installations. Uh, we do quite a bit of paid outbound campaigns on social media and other channels. And so we've really we figured out how to, how to successfully source military backgrounds and have a large candidate pool to take a look at. When we're screening folks, we're learning their location preferences, salary expectations, types of roles and companies that they're excited about. So we will typically alleviate either recruiters or hiring managers from you know, the one to two phone screens that you might have to do with somebody to verify and learn those things. And we're really fast at it because we understand military backgrounds. And then we're aligning military backgrounds to open roles on the job board you know, based on the military occupational code, their job in the military, the underlying hard skills that they've demonstrated proficiency in looking at uh, a, a bunch of other data points to look for a great fit in a currently open role on the job board. And the best types of roles, or at least the way that we will typically get started with shift partner companies, is we'll look to the job board and try to find, you know, what are the roles that you're always hiring for? What's evergreen? You know, <laughs> and that's different from company to company. Like if you look at WeWork, for instance, they are always going to be hiring people from a community perspective, right? They're always opening new buildings. They need people to be ops managers, project managers, community leads. And so with those types of roles, these evergreen roles, again, somewhat different at every company that we work with, there's like some sort of company-specific or organizational-specific training plan, uh, you know, if, the, if this is a role that they're always hiring for. 
So that's an ideal place for somebody who's in this period of career change or career transition, who is super talented, who has four plus years of professional work and project management experience to, to make a change. And so they have this chance to get up to speed, work with other peers who are trying to do the exact same thing. And we've seen that uh, that ramped productivity. I mean, I guess, you know, just, just think about it. It's like you get inside of a company, you make all the day one mistakes, you're able to you know, have 30 or 40 coffee meetings with industry professionals, you're able to get your housing and living situation figured out. You're able to understand, you know, exactly which skills in your military experience map to, you know, which things that organization values. You understand the org chart. You understand what success looks like and how people promote. And then you start day one on the job. To me, it feels like a way that, you know, you can actually ramp people who are coming from non-traditional backgrounds, not just so they can be a competitive candidate, so they can thrive. And when you have one person with a non-traditional background who's thriving in a new environment, that's really all it takes to start, you know, start an initiative, to start a movement. Because then other vets look at that company and they say, oh, you know, that, that's a place where vets can definitely thrive. Look what's happening to, to that person who I know from my unit on the inside. They've gotten promoted you know, one or two times in their first 12 to 18 months being there. I can see myself there too. Yeah, that's great. I think it definitely snowballs within an organization as you become more diverse. We've seen it internally even at, at job mobs, which um, 20% of our, our workforce is actually veterans. But with that said, I'm curious, what type of jobs on average, like or what are the, like, the general jobs? I'm sure it's pretty eclectic that you're seeing veterans get placed into at these different organizations. Yeah, I think that you know, just in the, in the same way that you know, the military comes from every you know, walk of life, there's three or 400 individual unique jobs that you can do in the military. And so many people understand that. Then there's also many folks who are like, you were in the military and you did military things. And so they don't necessarily understand that the military has, you know, generalists, you know, project managers and ops leaders, but then they also have like chefs and doctors and, and lawyers and, and things that translate more directly. But when we think about like, you know, what is the vast majority, at least from our candidate pipeline and, and, and some of the success we're seeing uh, in getting people hired into jobs they love is there's quite a bit of the, these generalist roles or evergreen roles out there that when you really think about it, it's like you, you didn't really have to go to college to do that. You have to be a competent professional who uh, is accountable for their actions and does the things they say they'll do, works really well and nicely with other people from different backgrounds, and is really task-oriented and detail-oriented, and in some cases, great on the phone and you know, great at relationship management. So those types of roles are a really big chunk of the workforce. Ops management, project management, program management, account management, customer success, customer service, implementation. And so, you know, I'll get more real about the actual numbers, but it kind of feels like about 70% of the military can actually do about 70% of the jobs in the workforce with not a whole lot of hard skill acquisition that needs to take place in between. Now, for sure, like if you are a chef in the Air Force and you want to be a web developer, you have to learn how to code. But it's like if you're trying to execute a high contrast career change and go from something in the military, get credit for what you did such that you don't have to start over uh, in, in something new or at, at the entry level, 
in your civilian career, there's there's these big chunks of the workforce where the translation, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's easy, like changing careers, you know, and the physical act of career change and preparing for that super hard and labor intensive and a lot of manual effort. But what needs to happen, there's less steps in the process, I think, than than people might think from the outside. Like it's not a 92 step process. You know, it's like, you know, there's a couple things that need to happen. A person needs to develop really, really deep industry specific context such that, you know, when they're in that game day conversation uh, and they're having an interview and it's one-on-one, that person on the other side of the table, you know, looks at the person with a non-traditional background and says, you know what, I, I understand your story. I get you. And I'm willing to, willing to go for it and give it a shot, even though, you know, you haven't, you know, done the exact same thing before. You know, we're seeing employers, you know, especially if you have the chance to work side by side with somebody for three months, take a risk increasingly often. That's great. And, and what's like your guys' model for becoming a partner? Is it, is it free or what's the, what's the kind, of, kind of look like from a pricing perspective? Yeah, well, we, we charge in annual subscription agreements. It varies by, you know, how much we either pay up front or, or what the preference is on the partner side in terms of if they want to be billed quarterly or annually. But in, in the simplest sense, you know, we say it costs this much money to hire up to a certain amount of people from the shift network over the course of the next year. Cool. That makes sense. And, and how big is the shift network if you, if you can share? And how, how big do you guys want to grow in the next year, two years, like in terms of, you know, the 250,000 veterans that are coming back into the workforce annually? I'm just curious what the game plan is long-term and short-term. Of course. Yeah. The game plan long-term is to be a category defining brand around career change. We think that the military is an important mission and it's why all of us signed up to build shift in the first place. We have vets, spouses, people who, you know, bounced around on, you know, were army brats growing up. And then also people that, you know, have no connection to the military, but just feel like this is an important thing that they should be working on at this time in their life. But if you, if you really like geek out on career change and skill translation and personal reinvention, it, it, it might come as like some surprise that like the military is the ideal place to study because everybody has to leave the military someday and everybody has to go through this dynamic process of reinventing themselves in one, a different part of the workforce, starting a new way of life. It's totally different in many respects. And so when we think about like, what, like, what do we want to be someday, we want to end veteran underemployment. We want to see all vets get jobs that they love. But we also think that from a career change perspective, that, we, that what we're working on has bigger implications than vets alone. And Mike, more of a, like a tough question, the last question I have, um, just for time constraints. I, I'm curious, though, I know there's a stigma, and there's been different articles and, and studies released around people kind of having a bias against veterans because they're concerned about like PTSD. What would you say to those folks and how would you yeah, approach that subject with people that are apprehensive? Yeah, I would, I would say that um, it's something that you know, I, I, I care so deeply about. But when I think about when, it, when it's, it, it's, not, it's not an uncommon question at all. But what I tell folks is that you know, the resources that are available today for service members truly better than they've ever been at any point in history. And the, the military does do a great job of proactively identifying and, and helping folks through traumatic experiences. You know, even though 
you know, you know, maybe one percent of service members in today's modern military, you know, actually go and serve uh, in combat operations. You know, it, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not affected. You know, being at home and supporting the folks, you know, who, who are out there and conducting those operations and those training missions. But yeah, I think I think that the you know the the easy answer is. And, and it is really true in many circumstances is just that the resources are so good today and many military units, especially the special operations military units, really encourage folks to get access to those resources and be proactive about it. The harder answer is that, you know, as a country, you know, we've asked service members to do really challenging things. And I think that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a stigma. And I think that it's something that, you know, most vets are extremely open to talk about their military service. It's just, you know, the right way to say that is like, you know, where'd you serve? Why'd you sign up in the first place? You know, what was your favorite, you know, place that you served? And those are the right questions to ask a vet. Uh, you know, maybe not lean into, you know, you know, what was war like or what was combat like. Right. That's a, that's a great response and really appreciate you answering that. What's, um, what's the best way for if people want to partner with, with Shift or reach out to you and, and contact you? What's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, uh, you either just go to our website and we've got an employer page there at shift.org. And then my DMs are open on Twitter as well. I'm just at first name, last name. So I think that you'll, you'll be sending that out in the podcast as well. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Well, thanks so much for joining the People Podcast, Mike, and looking forward to uh, talking with you again soon. Thanks, Jesse. This is very cool what you're building. I appreciate having me on. Hope to do it again sometime in the future. This week's episode has now come to an end, but our content doesn't end here. Head over to jessetinsley.com where you can find more valuable resources to hire and keep the ultimate workforce. That's jessetinsley.com. Enjoying this week's episode? Make sure not to miss the next episode. Hit subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.